Hey everybody, welcome to Bagden Broadcast episode number 280, I think? That's a good question. <laughs> and I'm nowhere near my PC, so I have no idea. It's a special episode. It's a special episode. We haven't recorded one in a little bit, and that's completely my fault. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past weekish. <laughs> yeah. Next is the list, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out November 4th. Mm. Then we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic, and this week it's going to be our monthly look back for the month of October. And like I said, it's my fault that we haven't recorded, because I've been busy getting older and working, and then hanging out with my best friends who came to visit me in Florida. Yeah, this is uh, episode 281, Okay, where uh, we're, we're live from Chris's apartment. We in are, Florida. We're down in Orlando. We've spent the last few days going to different parks and uh, pushing off recording this episode because I think for the last two nights we've talked about doing it, and now we we're uh, doing yeah. some day drinking. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to uh, find the motivation to record when you've been spending all day walking around in the hot Florida sun. Mm-hmm. And we're all extremely exhausted. Uh, but... Uh, as I said, we're doing some day drinking, and this is from Florida uh, Beer Company, and this is their Swamp Ape, a uh, double IPA, looking at 10%, and uh, not a bad double IPA. You get definitely get some bitter, you get some nice sweet to it. 10% day drinking. You know I have to fly later on today. Yeah, but you can just fall asleep on the plane. <clears throat> Paul, you can, it can actually relax you to be on the plane, getting a little buzz on. This is going to be the really lost episode. It'll be this episode <laughs> in the black box <laughs> that they find. Yeah, I, I like this beer. Um, I've had it before. It's a pretty solid double IPA. Um, mm-hmm. A little bit more of like a hop up front. Not a lot of the floral that I like on my hops, but it's still good. Yeah, uh, I probably wouldn't actively seek this out, but it's definitely good, and if I was somewhere and this is what they had, I would definitely drink it. Uh, I'm glad I I tried it. I think I've had it a couple times because of that reason alone. It's something that I've had, and it's it's stand-up. Not bad. Yeah. It's got that bitter, resiny kind of quality that I usually shy away from in IPAs, especially in the heat. (laughs) Like, this is not something that you want to drink in in the Florida heat, I think. Uh, You know, I would want something a little less... Intense, a little bit more, a little refreshing. more refreshing. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with talking about what's happened over the past like week and a half. Well, I'll get something that is wrong, uh, or an EA is trying to make right. Uh, they're offering full refunds until the end of the year, uh, December 31st, for Batman Arkham Knight uh, on the PC. And, you know, there was the whole issues that we've talked about before on the podcast with frame rates and just it not being optimized for uh, the different PC builds, and people just are not having a good time trying to play that game on PC. So no matter how much you play through the game, uh, if you have already purchased it, you can now uh, ask for a refund. So guess what? That means you guys have about uh, almost two months to uh, complete the game and then uh, return it for a full refund. So, uh, Which is unfortunate because TLC has been coming out that people pr- might, like me, pre-purchased for, you know, because we bought the Game of the Year edition or whatever you call it. How much was it extra for the DLC? I think it was an extra 15, 20 bucks. And so instead of 60 bucks, it was like 80. Yeah, well, 
I guess or that in season that, pass kind of feel. In that respect, you've paid $15 for the game and all the DLC, and you'll get a good portion of that back. All of it back, but unfortunately, you know, when you were that excited and you put up front the money, I think this is uh, this has swayed me away from pre-purchasing and uh, pre-buying games, you know, because honestly, not only because, you know, the technical issues, that I really didn't find all that jarring. You know, the frame rate was, you know, clunky at parts. Uh, when I played my, I've only gotten three hours into it, but it's mostly that that I've only gotten three hours into this game that's been out for three months. So, what's the point of me pre-purchasing a game that I may or may not be able to find time to play? That's kind of always been you with games, though. Yeah. Like you buy a ton of stuff, whether it's off of Steam or anything, and then it just kind of sits there until you're like, eh, I'm off mm-hmm. today for vacation. I'm gonna try to play all the games that I haven't. Mm-hmm. But also, this is a game that you didn't enjoy playing. Yeah. And when it's a game that you do like playing, you're all about it. Mm-hmm. You know, you you find the time to play all of what was that crappy game that he liked? Mass Effect. Mass Effect. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, you play all of them, all of the Mass Effects before you play the new mm-hmm. one. So you find the time to play that. This one you're not mm-hmm. into, so you're not finding the time to yeah. play it. That's also true. Talking about playing. Uh, there's a bunch of new trailers for stuff that you can play on your computer or cellular device to know about what's coming out. Hmm. Uh, yeah, just the other day uh, we got the Preacher trailer from uh, AMC. Uh, and this is the... Uh, I don't know what's happening in it. Yeah, yeah, they really took all the supernatural stuff out of the preview for this. This looks kind of gritty a tough talking preacher who in the towards the end of it breaks a dude's arm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh it it looks like preacher. Like I like the general aesthetic of it. <clears throat> I like the the attitude and the atmosphere, but yeah, the story seems different and I don't know if they're just kind of keeping that all under wraps until like you get into the show and then it's going to be like that's the hook for the people that don't know what preacher is. It's like, "Whoa, he's got powers. Whoa, there's vampires." Um or you know, Maybe they don't go crazy with him having like the word and like the saying of all killers and all that. Well, after watching the trailer, I watched the trailer a second time right before we recorded, and then I did go on to the um, uh, IMDb page, and it does say the description of the show is you know uh, after a supernatural event at a church, things go awry, mm-hmm. kind of a, a description. So it is something that there is something that has happened. That is supernatural. So hopefully it does keep with you know preacher having the voice and it still looks decent. It still looks like something I'd want to check out at least the hmm. first episode, even if they keep that supernatural stuff limited. Definitely uh, interested in. Yeah, um, I don't want to completely get off of track with the talk about the previews and stuff, but another show that just debuted was Supergirl over on CBS. Oh yeah. And- it did incredibly well, and after watching that first episode, I was like, eh, it's <laughs> it's another superhero TV show. There wasn't enough like meat there to hook me in. Like, It's something that I would watch, but it's not something I have to watch. It was really a lot of setup in that first episode. And I, if I was to watch it again, I'd like things not to be so, this is this, there you go, here you are. This is everything you need to know. You know, like, there was no build-up. It was just straight exposition all the time with that show. 
all the characters acted in ways that are kind of like already it what it isn't it's a trope you know yeah it was very, very trope you know uh, and it was like ah you know you wish you they would turn something on the head on their head here and do something a little different and we didn't get that it was exact you go in and you got exactly what you were going to get yeah which i mean it wasn't bad but i kind of i'm going to circle back to preacher mm-hmm. i had the same feeling from watching the preacher trailer as i did from watching the first episode of supergirl it's something that's good something well done I don't know if it's going to be necessarily the show for me, even as some of that enjoyed the comic. But other trailer that we just recently got, uh, the Jessica Jones series trailer from Netflix. Uh, we've had a little bit of teasers here and there. We've gotten posters. But now we actually got our first full glimpse at the world that Jessica's going to be living in. And as much as I was looking forward to the show before, I'm still looking forward to it even a little bit more now that we got to see a little bit of David Tennant in it, and he's creepy as fuck. Oh, super creepy. And they're really going, like, I was wondering how they were going to treat this character and do everything they're going to do, and it looks like they really hold true, and it's going to be a really dark backstory for Jessica Jones. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, that's the character, so I'm glad that they're sticking to that. Yeah, where's Purple Man... David Tennant is obsessed with controlling Jessica. And when when I saw this trailer, I was like, Paul's not going to like this show either. Nope. <laughs> and that's why I was asking you a little bit about Daredevil and Jessica Jones and stuff earlier. Yeah, if it's too dark, too just finally creepy, um, I, I just, it takes me out of it. I don't want to sit there and, like, feel uncomfortable while watching a television show. It's not what I go for when I'm sitting <laughs> yeah. down to. TV is something that I have in almost all... In the background, it's not something I don't... I really find myself not really enjoying watching much TV anymore. It's something that I kind of have on in the background as I do other things. That's kind of how I was. Um, I watched the first episode of American Horror Story uh, Hotel. Because I was like, oh, people love this show. I've heard really good things about Mm it. I've missed every other season. So, you know, this one I'll watch and I'll keep up on it. And, yeah, it just... It's weird. (laughs) But it's weird for the sake of being weird. And I haven't watched any more since then. Like I didn't dislike it, but it's kind of how you feel about everything. It's there's nothing fun about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to talk a little bit about Star Wars after we rode uh, Star, Star Tours four times yesterday, J.J. Uh, Abrams came out and said that the last trailer that we got will be the last trailer until the movie comes out. Mm. But what a trailer it was! Uh, you definitely get to see a lot more of the some of the characters and of the worlds going on in this movie. And yeah, it just gets me more and more psyched up that it's going to be out in like a month and a half. Yeah. It's like what? 48 days away now. I used to know the countdown and I forgot it. Uh, Every, every trailer or every little new clip they show, it makes me want to know more, but at the same time, I don't want to because I want to go in surprised, but it looks so good. (laughs) Yeah, going back and watching this, it, it kind of confirms a couple of the rumors, or almost, you know, as much as a trailer can confirm any rumor, that Kylo Ren is obsessed a little bit with Darth Vader, you know, because he, you know, the voice is him saying, I will finish what you started, you know, and it's showing Darth Vader's melted mask. Uh, that looks cool. I'm not a big fan of Captain Phasma. That that seems a little lame. Well, we don't know anything about, about him yet, you know. But then his name and that Her he's name. Chrome. Oh, that's a woman. Oh, I did not. I see. I didn't see? even know that. <laughs> and uh, it's Chrome. <laughs> She's Chromey. 
So a little Battlestar Galactica there. Um, I don't know. It, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. It looks a lot better than the Episode 1 trailer. No yeah, pod, no pod I, racing scenes. We, we talked about this a little bit when we were walking around the other day, but Paul was kind of having thoughts. Were there warning signs for Episode 1 when the first trailers came out? Because, you know, I was just so hyped for Episode 1, you know, back in 98. You know, I was... Just a just a high school student, <laughs> just thrilled to be eating more Star Wars, um, and I'm like, man, I was super excited going in to watch that movie. Um, was there warning signs that I should have picked up on from the trailer, you know? And there were. Going back and watching it now, you, you have like a couple seconds of uh, the Pod Race. You have almost eight seconds of Jar Jar Binks in a two minute trailer. Uh, a lot of slapstick was in it as well. And this is no slapstick comedy. Nothing that seems pandering to kids, really, other than BB-8 rolling around, but he's but, at least Yeah, but something. even as a 30-year-old man, I'm still like, oh, look at that, it's so cute. Yeah. BB-8. You know, so it doesn't seem, it seems to be very focused on telling its narrative, its story, and not about just throwing things up at on the screen that look cool. Yeah, yeah. Because the things that we think look cool are old Han Solo and crying Carrie Fisher. Because <laughs> those also, are emotional heartstring cool. Those, those are cool. I don't know. I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with uh, Finn and Ray, the new main characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get to see a little bit more of uh, Poe Dameron in this trailer, too. And Getting tortured. It, it makes me feel bad and worry that maybe he won't be around after this movie. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, we still haven't seen C-3PO or Luke. Like, except for like that first shot of Luke in the very first teaser trailer where they put out like his hand resting on R two. Well, then they've I think they've have they even said that was definitely Luke. No, they haven't. But people are assuming because it's because they've had interviews it, now with J J Abrams saying, yeah, it's purposeful. We are not showing Luke for a very specific reason, and we can't wait until it, uh, this people get to go see this movie. And, and figure out why. It's something that's inferred, kind of, though, because with that first trailer, it's mm-hmm. someone talking about the Force and how he has it. And it's yeah. like a robotic hand being put on R2's dome. And then it talks about his father and then mm-hmm. his sister. So it, I think it's a safe assumption at that point. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a little bit of misdirection on J.J. Abrams' part. But, yeah, I I really want to see Luke. <laughs> I think everybody does. I know. I'm and that's why they're they're playing it so close to the chest. And I mean, there's different, those different rumors that Luke is maybe fallen to the dark side or is on his way to doing that, but we won't know. Uh, not for, you know, a month and a I, half. I think there'd be such like huge backlash if they did that, though, with Luke. Like, but this could be the trilogy that is the redeeming story for him. His yeah. kind of rise, fall, and maybe rise again, because... In those, mm-hmm. in the Star Wars storylines, in those books and everything, yeah. that's what happens with him. The the uh, the first trilogy, our trilogy, the one we grew up on, is the redemption of Vader. Right, that's yeah. the whole story arc for him. Uh, I guess in the the new trilogy, the prequel trilogy, it's the fall of Vader. So, is this going to be the fall of Luke, which opens it up to be more and more? Who knows? I don't know. Well, I'm just excited for 40-whatever days until I finally get to see it. <laughs> December 18th. 
good luck trying to buy, see the movie on December 18th because the pre-sales have ro- broke the internet and yeah. all the websites and most of the shows apparently are being it's, sold out rather quickly. It's huge. Um, at the actual AMC theater down here in Orlando at Universal City Walk, they've just been adding theaters just to show that movie. I think they're up to like eight or ten theaters showing it at like seven o'clock <laughs> that first night on like the 17th. Uh, and I think it's on its way for having the biggest weekend. I think they're talking like $600 million weekend. Wow. I believe it. Which, it's... I mean, with all the pre-sales, you can kind of gauge already yeah. <laughs> with what the pre-sales are. So, uh, exciting. And this should be the movie that break, <laughs> breaks the internet, that yeah. breaks all the records. Well, if you think about all the other movies that are at the top of the highest grossing films of all time list, I mean, it's Titanic, Avatar, Frozen. Like Those are all movies that, when they were coming out, like yeah, people were excited for them, but it wasn't until the movies were actually out that they really hit hard. Mm-hmm. If Star Wars is already doing this, and this is just for like that first opening day, it's going to be absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, uh, the thing with you know all the news that you know it's going to be hard to get tickets. It might we might see that the pre-sales basically you might not see much of a climb after that. Those well, that's because everybody people, has seen it. Everybody has seen it, and also people will be discouraged to even going to try to go by to see the movie. You know, they might be like, oh, well, you know, it's going to be sold out, so we'll wait a couple of weeks before we try to go see it. Yeah, uh, I think you're going to have the people that don't pay attention to nerd news or like podcasts or websites like this one because they hear oh like there's a star wars movie coming out let's go see it no they they hear a star wars movie is coming out in the same way they would hear that you know tickets are hard to get by watching like it's on the today show it's on you know it's being covered by like everybody you know it's not just nerd news this isn't uh like a i don't know well ah man i was going to try to segue it to some other news that we had but we already talked about Jessica, you know, a Netflix series. You know, it's it's not like a uh, Netflix series that was going to be a television show, and then got announced that it's probably going to have its own Netflix theatrical release, which not theatrical, but made for Netflix movie. Uh, yeah, earlier this year, um, the CEO of Netflix said that he uh, was fine with and was looking to work with Marvel to make movies just for Netflix. Mm -hmm. And it looks like um, Iron Fist, which was supposed to be number four in the Netflix television Marvel series, is going to be worked into possibly a movie instead of the show, um, giving it a better-looking budget for all the um, CGI and everything that's going to be needed for that kind of a movie, uh, and also work a little bit better on the story. And half of this is because it's going to be hard to do, and the other half is that everybody involved with Daredevil Season 2 is loving the Punisher that <laughs> inside of it, inside of that show, that they're willing to make him the fourth show and possibly that fourth Defender. And they're feeling that it'll work better, that'll work better as a series where Iron Fist is going to work better as a movie. I'm okay with this decision. If it brings the characters to the screen in the best way that they can be represented, go for it. I would. I mean, as much as I would love to have an awesome uh, Iron Fist series 
like for 13 hours. If you give me an amazing movie for two, and then I get an even better Punisher show that I wouldn't have gotten in a movie, I guess. Whatever works out best for the characters. Uh, as long as I get to see a live-action Iron Fist, I'm, ha- I'm happy. Okay. Uh, I, I think the movie probably would work better for their budget and to make sure that we get the best looking you know movie or show so i'm i'm not against it i'm as long as i get iron fist a good looking iron fist i'm happy yeah and i mean defenders is going to be down the road anyway so they have plenty of time to plot and plan for that depending on what they're going to be doing with the shows or the movies so hey why not uh and some more plotting and planning uh, CBS is in development for a Star Trek TV series to air in 2017. Um, I think it's the first time Star Trek's been on a major network in 20 years. Yeah, well, if what, or what are we calling a major network? Because who's on what? Like CW? Like. Enterprise. Enterprise, I think, was on CW or WB. Voyager was on like WB. Was on Fox. Fox, okay. Yep. Uh, DS9 was on um, UPN back when there was UPN. So yeah, since Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which was also on Fox. Oh, was it? Yeah. See, I don't. I, I remember watching it. I don't remember anything else about it. And I always considered myself a Star Trek fan until I started actually thinking about Star Trek and then I'm like, yeah, I only actually really enjoyed you know what? Star- Next, Generation. Uh, Next Generation and DS9, those might have all been syndicated shows, like where any network could have picked them up. They were probably... Pretty, so it was on our Fox affiliate, okay. but it probably was made just for syndication where anybody, any station could air it. It's possible. Because it... I'm, I'm away yeah, from John, the Yeah, John's away from the microphone, uh, so I don't even know why you're talking, seen- John. Nobody's going to be able to hear you, so I'm just going to keep giving you shit until you sit down again. Because it was made by Paramount. But it wasn't one of those shows that seemed like it was, it was like on Saturday afternoon. Like, it didn't seem like it had a set, like, schedule in prime time watching. Mm-hmm. It always was that thing that you were catching, like you said, syndicated in yeah. the afternoon. Yeah, I'm going to look that up while you guys pour that beer and yeah, uh, talk about a little bit of other news. Pour- for the next beer, uh, did we have anything else? I mean, there was so much stuff that happened over the past week um, and a half, two weeks, but w- when you're not paying attention to it because there's so much other stuff going on, that in, uh, you get it. In uh, quick comic book to TV news, um, we have in development uh, two X-Men shows with Fox, uh, Hack and Slash in development, Why the Last Man, hopefully, finally in development for you guys. Um which I still think you need to go back and check that out one more time. I'm okay. Yeah, that's... I have. I tried. I tried. I've tried to read that first volume a couple times. Yeah, the uh, TNG, uh, Next Generation, it was first-run syndication. It was distributed by CBS Television Distribution, uh, produced by Paramount uh, Domestic Television. Mm. So, basically, it was... Uh, whoever wanted yeah, it. Yeah, whoever wanted it. Uh, same with Voyager... It looks like, and yes, nine. Yeah, um, I don't know of that batch of shows. No, no, UPN was DS nine, so they they had the original. I mean, 
still generate like next generation was the one that i liked the most i tried to get into deep space nine because i felt like i should have liked it but just it never really caught me and then i paid no attention to voyager at all and i saw a couple episodes of enterprise and it wasn't bad but again i just didn't watch it Star Trek, it, it's fallen off, you know, and there's somewhat much love for it because there's the Star Trek Renegades that, you know, like made for like the fan made like series that's on the internet. And even uh, the guy from Mythbusters was in a Star Trek like television show as well that was kind of more set in uh, the original universe, I believe, or the original series time frame, where this Renegades thing is like now hmm. or current. Or next generation and after. I don't know. It's hard for me to keep up. I don't know. I would be more inclined to check out Star Trek now than I would have been before, like the actual movies from J.J. Abrams mm-hmm. came out. Um, but the shows that you just presented us with, John, out of all of those, Why the Last Man is probably the one that I'd be looking forward to the most. It's going to depend on the cast, you know. <laughs> Hopefully, it's a no-name actor that you know I can just like immediately engage with and relate to because I think that's going to be really tough because you got to immediately yeah. start rooting for Yorick otherwise because he, what if he it can be very dislikable right. in parts of the book I'm going to throw this out there a little bit of a just a casting call on my part Zachary Levi from Heroes fame and also from Chuck yes that would be good he's a little older now than probably you'd want Yorick to be but I don't know. He doesn't look that old, you know. He just he just kind of jumped into my mind. Is that something? Yeah, because he's he's likable, but he mm-hmm. can still be kind of douchey. Yeah, I think he's in talks for another role with Marvel. Another role with Marvel. Yeah, he played uh, Fandral, one of the Warriors Three. Oh. And Thor. Didn't even recognize him. Yeah, he's got a mustache. And I didn't hat. even realize that guy was recast. <laughs> did you? Huh. Um, I don't know. I, I guess. I'd be looking forward to Hack and Slash, too, just because I thought that book was a lot of fun. Uh, that was from Devil's Due, written by Tim Seeley, who's actually doing the Grayson comic over at DC right now. Uh, I like that it kind of twists the horror genre on its head a little bit, much similar to uh, something like Evil Dead or Army of Darkness. So I think that could work well on TV, especially seeing how well Ash versus Evil Dead was uh, when that premiered the other night. The X-Men shows, it's really going to depend on what they are and who they're focusing on, I guess. And the budget they're going to put into it. Because mm-hmm. you can always see Fox skimping and not putting the best into something and then being like, eh, it failed. Just half-assing it. Just devil's advocate here, though. They're, they're counting on X-Men to keep performing because Fantastic Four has it. You know, that's why we're getting Deadpool. That's why we're going to be getting the Old Man Logan movie. That's why they're still going to be pumping out X-Men movies. I think they realize they need to at least get the funds. Yeah. Yeah. And anything they do to mistreat it is going to reflect on everything else. But I think at the same point is they've been leaving these titles to carry their own weight and not putting exactly everything they need to behind them. I think with bringing Scott Snyder back, not Scott, uh, what's his name? Brian Singer. Okay. Brian Singer. Okay. Uh, Brian Singer back to kind of take charge of that those movie properties after making the first two, which are probably the best. 
yeah. that they've done. Um, it seems like they're putting a little more respect into those series, but it still seems like they're allowing the title to make its money. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I agree with you. You're right. Thank you. You're welcome. I mean, that's that's basically what we got with First Class at that point. Uh, so, I think why don't we hop over to uh, the list, guys. The books that we are looking forward to coming out November 4th. Ooh. I'm looking forward to a book that's a number two, and I have yet to read number one. Because I'm Paul. And that's that's what happened. <laughs> Honestly, that happens to me a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't realize that the new series has started for this. Uh, I was kind of interested, in, but didn't pick up um, Gail Simone's run on Laura Croft, the new one coming, spinning out of the video game series that, or video game relaunch that happened all of three years ago. That's getting a new game this March, right? The yeah, Rise, of the, the Rise of the Tomb Raider. I think the trailer for that just came out too. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of excited. I really enjoyed the video game. So I'm a little. I'm interested to see what uh, Karina Benko uh, is do is writing. Laura Croft, Frozen Omen. Uh, this is a limited series, only five issues long. So it's not you know. So if I don't love it, love it, but still say, oh, it's okay. I'm only in for you know five issues. You don't even have to be into it for five issues. You can check out that number one still and just be like, oh, you know what? I don't. This is uh, the second issue, and it's her teaming up with one of her rivals to uh, stop these ancient artifacts uh, being collected by cultists who are planning to start a natural disaster that will destroy the world. Hmm. So, so it's you know very Tomb Raider, you know, artif- ancient artifacts, but somehow they are some mysticism in them that would cause you know death and destruction. Yeah, like I know we've talked about it before on the show, just when you talked about video games and stuff. I've always liked Tomb Raider in theory even if I haven't enjoyed the games mm-hmm. um, but yeah the last Tomb Raider game was amazing and that's actually the only one I've ever played all the way through like, I, I loved it well some going back and trying to play some of the older Tomb Raiders now is really difficult because the level design is sometimes really obtuse you're like oh there's no way I can make this jump so where do I need to go and no that jump that you tried seven times and failed and thought oh it's just too far that's exactly the jump you have to make. It's the only thing you can do, so you're just there for a half hour. I, see, I had that in um, Darksiders as well. Ugh. Like, different games, mm-hmm. but platforming. Like, just mm-hmm. thinking, like, well, I have to get up there because I see something I need to interact with, but how do I do it? And then finding out, like, you need to go a completely different way to get there. Yeah, and activate some other level, some lever someplace that is completely hidden from you at the time. Or you just totally miss that doorway. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And I'm looking forward to number four of six, the miniseries John Flood. Uh, We reviewed the first issue, must have been four months ago. (laughs) Yeah. I really, you can find out if you go over to bagmanboard.com and then you just search for John Flood. It'll bring up any time you've talked about that. Uh, I've enjoyed the book. I know it wasn't you got your favorite, uh, guys, but uh, I liked it. I've uh, been enjoying the continuation of it. And um, I didn't realize it was a miniseries till issue four here when it says four of six. Um, well, it's also possible that maybe it wasn't supposed to be, but then they just decided like they could... Like cut it short or wrap it up. Yeah, uh, I've been liking the series. It's fun and um, kind of the bad 
Guy, Heavy, uh, and John Flood are now have now met face to face and are going to be battling Braun versus Brain, Crazy Brain, Crazy Brain. Uh, speaking about Brains and Braun, book I'm looking forward to has both of those on the team, and this is Extraordinary X Men number one from over at Marvel Comics, written by one of Paul's favorites, Jeff Lemire, drawn by one of my favorites. Humberto Ramos. Hey. Uh, Paul, I think you actually picked this in our draft. Uh, all new, all different ma- uh, draft. Hey. I said all new, all different math. Uh, that's a less fun book. Um, but this is Storm putting together her own X-Men team. And for me, what really sells me on an X-Men book is the characters that are on the team. And this one's pretty solid because we've got Storm, Colossus's sister Magic, Colossus himself, Nightcrawler, Old Man Logan... Mm. And then the Marvel girl from the past that came over in the X-Men book. So a little bit of a wonky team, but uh-huh. with a creative team this strong behind it, I think this is something that could be good. Like every other X-Men book, I do pick them up because I really want to like the X-Men, but then down the road I always just kind of fall off because it just it never fully delivers for me. But this is one I'd be willing to check out, that first one at least. It's... Yeah. I love how the uh, Marvel team, or the X-Men Marvel team, uh, just is embracing the wonkiness of the new convoluted like storylines and story arcs of X-Men. You would think in an all-new, all-different, this would be the time to kind of, re- you know, to kind of consolidate and get back to the roots. No, this is, they're just like, old man Logan, Marvel girl from the other timeline. Sure. Cat beast over with the Inhumans. Why not? Yeah, I mean, but if you look... Not to like say it this way, but if you look back at to the X Men books that we've enjoyed the most, mm-hmm. it's going to be the stuff that's kind of more crazy out there, like the Jason Aaron Wolverine in the X Men book, or even something like Old Man Logan, where it's those stories that are just like a little bit different take on it. I think the last time we had a more straightforward like X Men book probably would have been the Grant Morrison new X Men, because then right after that we we got back into X-Men, quote-unquote, with the Joss Whedon Asajj X-Men. Mm-hmm. And, again, crazy out-there book with the... Uh, yeah, dealing with the... Oh, my... Why am I blanking out? The, uh, danger. The danger in becoming Sentinel. Mm-hmm. And, like, shooting, like, giant bullets at the planet. Like, that was a crazy book. It was nutty. But not hey, as nutty. Hey, well done. It's our... Nice. Uh, Orange Blossom Brewery Company's uh, Porter with Coconut Added. This is... Uh, is it with coconut milk? Uh, right touch of coconut uh, caressed by the gentle fingers of, of, of an open plane. This subtle coconut character complements dark greens perfectly. I'm reading from the back of the can. And it was canned, um, which we usually don't have on the show. It's, it's, a, a strange, it's still a strange occurrence, even though it's becoming more and more prominent. Uh, yeah, it's become more popular. Um, this isn't a bad coconut porter. This isn't as good as that coconut beer that Chris had brought us from Michigan. Um, you get the coconut. It's a little watery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's what, you know, I expect coconut to be a little watery. Like when you drink coconut milk, you think it's going to be full of flavor, and it never is. Yeah, but this is still a porter. Oh, right, yeah. right. Okay. I thought uh, you meant watery on the coconut flavor. No, I meant just yeah. on the beer. Okay. The, the beer itself is a little watery. 
Um, not as much robust flavor as I'd want with a porter. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not a bad beer at all. Uh, I would drink this again. Um, but it's there's better porters and better toasted mm-hmm. blank kind of po- uh, porters out there. I know toasted nut or, again, like that toasted... Mm-hmm coconut yeah that we have. everything you said about it is what i said the first time i had this when i just moved down to florida this was one of the first beers that i got and i i think i even equated it to the uh the one that i brought you was the fifth voyage coconut part and that was fantastic like that was just wonderful this is a paler version of that but it's it's still something that it's readily available it's a good substitute for it even though it's only like halfway to where the fifth voyage coconut porter was yeah i really like it though i i enjoy it um i don't know we we got we went to chris's beer shop and tons well not his own the one i frequent it's the one that he goes to right and you know lots and lots of different beers that chris or uh, paul and i haven't had so we were actively looking for different things that mm-hmm. we hadn't had that sounded good or sounded like they could be different and good and and this is one of those beers and i i don't knock it that i picked it like i enjoy mm-hmm. i enjoy it it's very good um a couple of the other beers really great some of them not so yeah. much but again you're in a different i mean we're across the country Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's definitely something like, yeah, let's try all the different things that we can. Uh, my thing with buying beer here uh, and being on vacation down in a warmer climate is I kind of, you know, I was in the fall mood for nut browns and dark porters <laughs> and everything uh, because we went shopping basically on our first night here. Or, or was it our second night? That the... Uh, it was, I believe it was the it, second. It was the, yeah, it was the second night. It was one yeah, that came yeah. from Epcot. Okay, so, you know, I, I still was in that mindset of, like, oh, it's fall, I want these dark beers. Uh, and then by the next day, I was like, that was really stupid. It's, like, <laughs> 90 <laughs> degrees and humid. I am wanting something refreshing. And uh, I don't know how they could ever... The porters that we like, I don't know if they could find a market down here. You know no, what I mean? Like, I, I would agree. I, I, it's I would say that this beer, this beer would be perfect for, with it being lighter, with it being, as they <laughs> said, like a little watery, would probably go perfect down here. You know, because yeah. it's not as heavy. It's not yeah. as robust. Um, but I guess that's one of the perks of living in New York. <laughs> yeah, see, I still have that palette just for the deeper, darker, like heavier beers. And, mm-hmm. It's tough because it's not something that you'd necessarily want to drink outside on the porch when you're like reading your comic books or something. No, not in this weather. Uh, it's no. summer all the time here, and not just our summer. I mean, like a ugh, muggy tropic summer. <laughs> yeah. Who wants to live in the south? <laughs> a lot of people do. <laughs> I know. It's, it's bizarre. Uh, and I think that's going to take us into uh, dramatic reading. Yes. And now. A dramatic reading from Doctor Strange, number one, page 11, panel three. This one? That one. No, you just went past it. Why would you do that? I just, because there. I'm trying to think of a Doctor Strange voice. Interdimensional bacteria. They may look like monsters, but like those aforementioned 
face mites, they are relatively harmless. Some are even helpful. Some are spiritual burdens that are none of my business. That was a dramatic reading from Doctor Strange, number one, page 11, panel three. Ooh, I just tinked my glass. Uh, and that'll take us right into our main topic. Uh, we'll start with Doctor Strange. Good, because I already have it open. <laughs> uh, number one, uh, written by Jason Aaron and art by Chris Picello. Uh, this is not a number one, an origin story of this character, but a number one of just a new story of this character. This is a great take on Doctor Strange, a character that I've always liked, but never really read too much of him. He was always that guy who would pop up in other books that I always thought was super cool. Um, but this is Doctor Strange, the guy that sees the world in a whole different way and the reason he's late or he's showing up is because he's following these different threads of things that we cannot see. Uh, and I enjoyed the series. Again, Jason Aaron is bringing to life a character that I never really thought too much about with a huge overarching storyline that is going to be building with this big kind of villain that's coming. Uh, he's, done, he's done that two or three times with uh, Thor, God of Thunder, that I really liked, and he's doing it again now with Doctor Strange. And it's not... It has not worn out its welcome with me, with Jason Aaron. Uh, love the look of the book, the feel of the book... I'm definitely on board for however long Jason Aaron is probably on Doctor Strange. No, I wholly agree because there's something going on that's spooking a lot of the spectral nether realm beings, whatever you want to call them. Mm -hmm. uh, so the rats are getting off the sinking ship, and that just happens to lead them all to our world. Mm -hmm. And Doctor Strange is one of the few people that's actually equipped to deal with them um, but he's even turning a, he has been turning a blind eye to it, and he's just began, becoming aware that there's some other danger. Well, and, he also seems like the character that just, he reacts. He's mm -hmm. not the guy that's looking into why all this is happening, but just kind of... Yeah, he waits for somebody to come knock on his door. Yeah. And might have to, you know, which I thought was a very fun scene. Yeah. Uh, that happens between uh, Stefan and... Uh, what I don't don't know the girl's name that has that stuff growing out of her head, but um, I think that's fun. And you, you see that none of the other mystics are really much paying attention to it when they oh. go to that cabal at the diner at the edge of yeah. uh, mysticism. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the her name is. Zelma Stanton. The uh, bar with no doors. The bar with no doors inside of New York. Um, yeah, it, it's very much like uh, almost Doctor Who when uh, all the like the vampires in Venice were running away from the silence. Uh, so it's kind of like that in a way. Which yeah, so if you like enjoyed that at all, you'll, you'll probably enjoy this. And it's uh, Doctor Strange is a ladies' man, that, a little, little bit of a player that he is. And also, even if you enjoyed the Wolverine and the X Men book by Jason Aaron and Chris Bichel, like. Check this book out because it's very much in the same kind of vein as that. Um, like John, I've always liked Doctor Strange, but I've never really 
read him because he's just a dense character to get into. Mm -hmm. Um, When you think about comic book characters that are just very word-heavy and just that Stanley-esque, like, crazy words just pouring out of their mouths onto the page, Doctor Strange is one of those characters. And I think Jason Aaron knows how to write weird well enough where he doesn't have to flood the page with a lot of different, like, adjectives just to, like, get his point across. And I think that's why him teaming up with someone that can do crazy, weird, bizarre artwork like Chris Pacello works so well because what he saves in panel space by just being clear and concise gives Pacello more room just to, like, draw the craziest, weirdest things he can, like the giant teddy bear that's, like, in the background of, like, the battle between uh, yeah. Strange and, like, the, the champion that the whatever woman uh, conjures. Yeah. And the thing is, with that, it's it helps set the place inside. Oh, so you're fighting inside this kid's mind. He's also thinking about his teddy bear, you know, stuff like that. So, And stuff that you don't pick up right away on because you have to get past, like, those two pages of the battle to realize that he's fighting inside a kid. And then if you go back and do a reread, you pick up on the Chris Pacello art that makes it even more satisfying because it's like oh okay that makes sense that, that's why that teddy bear is there uh, I also like the fact that when Doctor Strange is like just more in his like civilian persona his cape becomes just like a hipster scarf wrapped around <laughs> his shoulders <laughs> yeah he was in New York why wouldn't he be uh, no this this book is on its way to being one of my favorites um Half of it is just the look. But yeah, the writing for this character is perfect. And I, aside from a few miniseries, from the time that we've been reading comics for the last almost 15 years, 15 years, I think, Yeah, this is the first time that it's had... He's had really an ongoing series when he hasn't been with the team, like the Defenders, or a miniseries. Mm-hmm. So it's great to have him accessible for everyone. And I think that's what they needed with that movie coming out next year. Yeah. And this is a book that would make a great like free issue that they can hand out in celebration of that. Oh yeah. Um, Cuz it's for someone who's been around for so long, Doctor Strange just isn't as well known or as accessible as some of the other Marvel characters out there, but this does a great job of summing them up even as someone that knows who the character is and, like has that passing knowledge of them. Uh, I feel like I know Doctor Strange better now than I did after like all the other books I've read with Doctor Strange in them before. Yeah, I, I, like I said, he's kind of like a yeah, he's reactionary. He's a bit of a ladies' man, and he doesn't know how he doesn't understand how far into it he is until he's struggling to get out. It seems so. I think that's what's going to be really enjoyable that you're along for this ride that he is trying to figure out himself. Uh, definitely. And, uh, that'll take us into our next book, which is another character that I've always liked, never knew too much about, mm-hmm. uh, but always found interesting, and that was Karnak from The Inhumans. And this is his own ongoing series written by Warren Ellis and art by Gerardo Zaffino, mm. uh, who's not an artist that I know. Um, too well, but I do enjoy his kind of sketchy, dark art style. There's a lot of uh, 
cool dadaism going on, like the old school comic book coloring of the you know almost of the comic Sunday paper going on uh, with it with the cross hatching as well, which I'm enjoying. Uh, and this is the story of Shield coming to Karnak, who's like a monk for this special religious. He's the, what was it, like the magister of like wisdom or something. For the Inhumans. I, I can't remember his actual title, even though he says it multiple times in the book. Uh, but yeah, he's something of a holy man. Um, and S.H.I.E.L.D. come to him to find a lost boy who is probably been inhumanized. Yeah. He's a Newman. Um, and... Uh, Definitely an interesting story. I enjoyed this book. Um, it's been a while since I've read it, so I'm kind of flipping through to see where we're, what happens in it. Uh, he's a badass that's able to split a bullet in half. Yeah, because he like his inhuman powers, he can find the flaw in anything. So that leads to him interrogating someone and mm-hmm. like splitting the bullet in half with his fingers, punching through doors. Uh, I have very little information in my brain about the Inhumans. So Karnak is a character that I know I've read and heard of before, but I know like nothing about him. And that's more on me because I just never been a big Inhumans fan. And now it's basically Marvel's just kind of pushing them to the forefront of the publishing just because they've got that movie coming out. Maybe who knows? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Um, but this is their, their new, the renewed franchise, I guess I should say. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I remember from Karnak was, like, one of the old Fantastic Four cartoons mm-hmm. and him, like, showing up and him, like, toppling a building by, like, hitting the side of it because he knew that there was a fault line going mm-hmm. through the structure or whatever. Um, but, no, that's, I mean, it definitely has is a story that has kind of a mystery upon it with this super kind of badass, tough, doesn't give a shit about anybody but the Inhumans and his religion. Um, but I enjoyed it. I will be picking up issue two. No, and I'm I'm glad to hear that because this is a book that actually kind of surprised me. I didn't think that I was going to like it as much as I did. Um, so I was pleasantly surprised by it. Yeah, and it seems uh, that's going to move along quickly because, you know, right at the end of the book, you see him uh, going in to save this kid in Berlin. So uh, we'll see what happens next and what will become of the series because, honestly, I don't know, other than him being like this tracker up for the Inhumans and S.H.I.E.L.D., what's, what's, what's this book going to go to? Is he going to just it's, go back to the monastery, or what? I mean, it's a Warren Ellis book, so it could go pretty much could go anywhere. 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 Um, sidebar, they just released the first teaser trailer for the World of Warcraft movie. Oh. So I'm going to watch that now. Okay. We'll just keep on rolling along, and we'll save that for next week when we actually get to see the full trailer, not just the teaser. Yeah, because there was a teaser for a trailer. Um, but are we good on Karnak? Like, do you know yeah, that up? I think we're good on Karnak, because, I mean... It's a good book. We kind of described what it's about. There's nothing too much else that happens in the book. Um, art fits the tone of the book. It looks good. Panel layout, everything's nicely well done. It's a well-made book. Well, did you like it? It was okay. It was good. Uh, I don't know. Like I was saying, I was just 
didn't know where the series would go. Right. Like, it seemed like it could, this whole, like, finding the kid thing could wrap up quickly, or, and it could go anywhere else, because it's Warren else, or uh, they could, like, go deeper into this whole kidnapping of Newman's. And did, did you see, did you like Doctor Strange? Yeah. I feel like we, like, the last two we kind of just glazed by, like, what your thoughts on the Well, we, we usually then, you know, go back and we give the review and then we do a power ranking right, to describe so power how rank. much we like. It's it's like it's his first episode. I folks. know. <laughs> well, I, I just feel like we've totally, you haven't said much. Are you still reading that novel? Are you no. reading that novel right now? <laughs> no, I, I have loaded up. Uh, uh Inhu- the Uncanny Inhumans, number much one. Much like the teaser trailer to World of Warcraft, we got a the Uncanny Inhumans Zero issue months ago that we read uh, and it really enjoyed, written by Charles Soule and art by Steve McNiven. We now have the actual start of the series, which happened after the major Inhumans event that went on. Mm-hmm. And also Convergence. Um, so oh, now, Convergence. What was this one called? Secret Wars. Secret Wars. So now we have the Uncanny Inhumans number one, which did not capture me like that Zero issue did. Uh, that Zero issue made me want to read this, and this issue made me wonder why. I Okay, I thought that was just me, because it's been a while since that Zero issue came out. And I was just let down by this, and it was a little bit on every front, because you're introduced to a bunch of new Inhumans, or as Paul's calling them, Newmans. Yeah. Well, they call them that they call Do they? I don't, yeah. I don't, and you. I don't remember that, Mids. honestly. Newmans. Um, and I have... I don't care about those characters at all, because I barely care about the Inhumans that I do know. Uh, the best part of this book, I thought, was Kang the Conqueror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like sending dinosaurs and crap after them. Like, that was fun. Um, right before a... Two minutes in before a nuclear bomb was set to explode to kill everybody at the site anyways. And also, if you think back to that Zero issue and you hadn't been reading any of the previous Inhuman mm-hmm. stuff, uh, Black Bolt walked through all the defenses Kang had around his fortress. <laughs> and now, there's three Inhumans, which, all stuff that Black Bolt could have walked through again, but now they're really having a hard time beating him. And it just seemed like, well, this is like the total opposite of a Black Bolt that we just got. Mm-hmm. Well, it's Black Bolt versus Kang, and then we have Medusa versus the X-Men, basically. It's, uh, or at least that's what's getting set up with the Medusa storyline. Where she is now uh, basically going out and recruiting all the new uh, Inhumans that are being sprung out from the Terrigan Mists. Uh, and the X-Men feel a little like, whoa, this seems very similar to our shtick. <laughs> uh, maybe you guys should back off. And apparently there's some great tension between the, these two groups right now. Uh, and some added sexual tension is apparently happening when Johnny Storm comes in knocking. Because him and uh, Medusa, Black Bolt's apparently estranged or ex-wife, uh, is now kind of kissing and macking on the uh, Johnny Storm. So, which I think is very interesting. I enjoyed this book quite a bit. I, I like the part where Beast shows up in it too. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. Um, 
but yeah, honestly, like it, the book for me, it just didn't fire on any other cylinders, though. Yeah, I've always enjoyed how uh, even during the um, other after M Day and after even the second, what was it, Second Coming? You know, with Hope, uh, Beast has stayed almost apolitical. He just wants to focus on the problems at hand and stay out of it. Uh, unfortunately, you know, but he has taken a, a, a stand against Scott, some so Cyclops and everything. So, but he's just, hey, look, you guys need help with this whole tracking down these new human things. They're going to be a problem real soon for all of us. So I'm here to do some work for you guys. And I had like. Say, like Go ahead. I liked Johnny Storm's new suit. Uh, <laughs> that's one of the things from this book that I liked. Well, also uh, the art's by Steve McNiven, and it—I don't know if he was rushed or what, but it just doesn't seem up to his normal quality. I actually appreciated the little backup, like sneak peek at the Inhuman story to come more than I actually liked the Uncanny Inhumans book proper. Um, which was also written by Charles Soule, but with art by Brandon Peterson. Like, I feel like that's a strong introduction to this new world because mm. it brings in some of the older Inhumans that you know, but then it also just it's focusing on some of the new humans. Um, yeah, well, they're going out to recruit new humans. Yeah, like it's but this works. Like that's mm. like you know boots on the ground more than Medusa trying to deal with like the PR of the mm. Inhumans like that. That wasn't interesting for me. I was I liked seeing Gorgon and like oh Crystal pops up like yeah that for me that was cool and I I think the artwork it's know. it's bright it's gorgeous. A PR of being a superhero saving New York seems pretty interesting to me. See all Fantastic Four. Yeah, see and see um like X Men too. Mm-hmm. Like when Cyclops was running the team and they were like going back to becoming superheroes again. An astonishing X Men. They didn't. They had to be more than amazing. They had to astonish. So I, this is a book that I was looking forward to based off of the Zero issue because we all really enjoyed that one. But then... I, know, I, I thought like, Steve McNiven's heart was, you know, as Steve McNiven-y as it is. Um, I wouldn't say it's as... I think it's, like Chris said, it's him rushing the work or just not putting all efforts into it. Or, you know, some of it might just be, like, the coloring that was done on it, too. I don't know if he was working with someone else, but just look at, like, any of the panels of Medusa and tell me that that's a Steve McDivin drawing, you know? She's just got the sleepy eyes, that's all. But look at the drawing of the, you know, clay swamp lagoon creature. (laughs) Oh, yeah, like, Triton Triton looks good, but Dog looks awesome. And dogs are horrible to draw. Uh, I think like this isn't his best work. All right. Well, it doesn't. Like if I had read this book, I would not have even imagined it being okay. Like he's drawn the Fantastic Four before. Does that look like Johnny Storm? Well, it looks like a new version of Johnny Storm with the yeah. He's got some weird eyebrow, like eye spacing and stuff going on. But that's no. But you're, you're, this... you're, you guys are almost to the point of. Paul nitpicky. I, I, I know, but I'm just saying, like, this is no. a character that he cut his teeth on. Like, this mm-hmm. is what introduced us to him, mm-hmm. you know, on Marvel Knights 4, and it just doesn't even look like the, like the same character that he's And drawn. Steve McNiven is one of those artists that when you open a book, you go, wow. Mm-hmm. And this book didn't wow me. The, the stuff that was 
good, and I liked the pacing and everything in it, was the backup story. It did have a totally different feel. It had a flow. That front part did feel clunky. and it's, well, it's a little clunky because I know we had the zero issue, but this is all set up. It's all you know showing where Medusa is at and where Black Bolt is at with his team. And but that's the why, other one is that's the why you have a zero issue. Yeah, but the zero issue was only what twelve pages long. No, it was a full issue. Was a full yeah. issue? Oh, man, I don't that's why I was like, I was excited for more of it, and then you're like, no, it's coming out after Secret Wars is over. And I was like, oh well, you know, at least we'll get it in like two months. And then I didn't realize that Secret Wars was going to be going after like six. Well, right. t- talking about artists that uh, we all love, Darwin Cook uh, is out with his new book. The Twilight Children from Vertigo. Uh, this is one of the first times I think I've seen Darwin Cook on a Vertigo. Oh no, he did the uh, Hard Light. What was it? Richard Parker Hunter. Yeah. Uh, so this is a kind of like a hard take Darwin Cook book, and this is written our um, co-creator slash writer uh, Gilbert Hernandez, and then uh, Darwin Cook co-creator artist. See, I didn't realize this was a Vertigo book. I thought it was just like a, an indie book. I didn't pay attention to the logo on yeah, it. It's it's uh, Vertigo. And this is Twilight Children. It deals with uh, some uh, weird science fiction down in, I'm guessing, like Havana. Maybe it's Cuba. Maybe it's Puerto Rico. Could, be, could be Southern Florida. Could be Southern Florida. Who knows? Uh, basically, a small fishing town uh, that is experiencing some weird, uh, maybe alien, we don't know, uh, phenomenon of these glowing white orbs that just show up and then by the time the night is over disappear um nobody knows what's going on uh, and the cast of characters is wide and very human it's you know they all have their different reasons for staying in town one's a drunk that lost his family and feels uh, like he's to blame for it another is a i don't know private eye detective that is, you know, sleeping around with uh, another dude's wife. So I don't know what to make of this book. It's only uh, one issue in, and it was all set up and focused on these characters, and we'll see how their lives change and what actually was in that white space ball. Uh, Spoilers, it's a girl with white hair. Uh, I originally thought this was, like, an all-ages... Yeah. like Boom Studios kind of book just based off of like the cover and like the name of it The Twilight Children mm-hmm. and I was like oh I think it's cool and you know Darwin Cook's doing something a little bit different but then yeah as soon as you start flipping through it you see just like the naked woman with the hair and then you get some uh, there's some you know a couple like cursors in it and then like you've got kids hanging out with the town drunk and then you've got the man shacking up with that other dude's wife and it's like okay yeah this is not, not what I thought it was going to be mm-hmm. Not that I went in with, you know, preconceived notions of it, but I was just like, oh, okay, this is something different. And that kind of brought me in a little bit more. Um, I think this would have been better if it was, like, an all-ages book. um, And more of kind of like a Goonies kind of style adventure with these kids. Mm -hmm. But the only person who I walked away actually liking in this book was the town drunk. Yeah. Uh None of these characters I care about. I don't care that these all these kids are blind. I think it was a well-written, well-drawn book, but I don't care. I, did, mm-hmm. I won't read issue two. Even right. if you bought it, Paul, mm-hmm. I wouldn't read it. It didn't hook me. Um, I think it's well done. I really like the cover. The cover would probably get me 
to buy this book. Yeah. Um, but no, I think if it was more of alien invasion or whatever, and these kids are the only ones who are a few steps ahead of it, mm-hmm. nobody else is believing them, kind of fun book, I think this would have been a great book. Mm-hmm. You know, but you don't know what's going on. There is a mystery, but I don't care. Yeah, uh, uh, the kids really aren't the... Well, they might become the narrative later on, but it's not... It seems like they've, they are acted upon, and not, yeah. they're not the actors of. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I just kind of confused as where this will be going and how many issues is it? Like, yeah, how many is it? Because this is something like when I got to the end of it, I was like, you know, this is something I probably wouldn't have mind reading for like a trade-in policy, like getting the full complete story, but just reading the first part of it. Mm-hmm. I, I liked it, um, I, but I attribute a lot of that just to the fact that it was a Darwin Cook drawn book. Right. Uh, I don't know how many issues this is. There's n- nothing on the front cover that suggests that it's a limited run miniseries, but it feels like it kind of has to be, right? I- I'm assuming so, but who knows? It could be an ongoing, or it could just be like a limited type mm-hmm. series where it'll go on for like maybe ten issues or so. Hmm. But not bad, just not great. Yeah. Um, well, we have a- another science fiction kid story. <laughs> yeah, the- and... The book that John was like describing before kind of made me feel like he was segueing into uh, Paper Girls by Brian K. Vaughan and Cliff Chang, but then that's not all ages at all. If anything, mm-hmm. it's maybe a little bit further away from all ages, because, man, those girls can cuss. Uh, it's, it's a book that, having grown up on the Goonies... Yeah, this is all what ages, you wanted. An all-ages Goonies book kind yeah. of a thing. Uh... But Paper Girls is the story of just that. It's a group of paper delivery girls and their adventure on Halloween night. Um, and much like Goonies or even Monster Squad, that the uh, one girl, I can't remember if it was Mackenzie or... Uh, oh, Mackenzie's the Mackenzie's badass, the badass girl. Smoker, the smoker. Yeah, I feel bad not remembering the character's name. Missy. Uh, she has a Monster Squad poster <laughs> on her wall. Um, and right from the get-go, this kind of lets you know what story or kind of going to be running into Um, the girls get have a run in with some of the local punks but then later on it turns out that the run in that they're going to get later on is a little bit more intense Uh, very sci-fi are they aliens? spoilers they're they're not yeah Um, but everything about this book grabbed me in a way that a Brian K. Vaughn Cliff Chang book would and does and will continue to do. Um. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's it's November. It's the morning of November first. Mm-hmm. They're out delivering papers, and because of it being the day after ha- the morning after Halloween, these girls team up to deliver papers together because it's better to be in pairs because there are still those stragglers of mm-hmm. vandalism or whatever throughout the night. Um, and I got probably. A quarter of the way into this book, um, before I had to go somewhere and I didn't finish reading it, but a quarter of the way into this book, I loved it. Yeah. The interaction between the characters, everybody had a specific voice. Such a well-written, well-drawn book. Uh, first couple pages will capture you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and again, yeah, it's that f- fun 
it's kids, but it is for adults. But I think you could give this to someone who was 15 and they would oh, yeah. enjoy this book. This this would be the book that they would read after Lumberjanes, almost. If you want to go back to wow. uh, the last uh, episode we recorded <laughs> with the look back, uh, trading policy. Um, I, I think they kind of fit into the same mold, just one's definitely more mature. Uh, these are the Lumberjanes uh, a few years older. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I really enjoyed this book, and I figured I was going to just based off of the creative team, but it's got just that little bit of a Brian K. Vaughn twist at the end, because of course it's not going to be as simple as like, oh, it's an alien escape pod. No. No, no, it's probably time travel, because <laughs> they find an Apple device. But Paul, you enjoy both of these creators as well, though. Oh, yeah. So I, I really wanted to know your thoughts on this one. I thought it was really fun. Uh, I, it's like what John was saying. It's definitely about the character interaction of them. Tiffany, Mackenzie, uh, Missy. Uh, KJ. KJ. Okay, I was missing the field hockey girl. Um, them all teaming up and, and then go, having to go on this adventure together. I think that's what's going to make this story. Uh, I don't really care if it's sci- science fiction in the terms of uh, if the aliens never showed up. Right. It would probably just be as, as enjoyable. <clears throat> I think you, you and I talked about that before, John, right? Like, if it was just them going around. Right. And, and dealing with the bullies. Yeah, if it, was, high school. if it was just these girls delivering papers, it still would be a great, yeah. well-written book. Um, in the in the summary for it, um, I think I forgot to say who this was by. I think it was uh, Boom Studios. Um I have to look that up later, but they equate this to Stand By Me meets War of the Worlds. And, yeah. They mention War of the Worlds. During they it. do. Uh, yeah, this is the book that when I picked it up and read it, I knew it was Brian K. Vaughn, I knew it was Cliff Chang, and I started reading it. Oh, it was an, it was an Image Comics book, sorry. And within reading it, and, and a quarter of the way into this, you don't know that it's going to be a sci-fi thing. You just think it's going to be a story about these girls and I was like oh okay Brian K. Vaughn doing really mm-hmm. down to earth grounded story and by the end of it you're like nope yeah. but this is one of those movies that I grew up on loving Monster Squad mm-hmm. Goonies uh, The Explorers you know like those kind of movies this captured it um, this book is what that J.J. Abrams movie with the aliens that came to earth was trying to do. Oh, yeah. Um, I can't think okay. of it. Um, Cloverfield. No, no uh, that was uh, Super 8. Super 8. Super 8. Super 8 wanted to be this. Uh, and it just couldn't, it just didn't have the right workings. Um, but no, this, this is going to be one of those books that I will hand off to people. I will collect in my own edition somehow if it's buying the trades or buying the single issues um, but it's something I'd want to have in a physical copy and Glitch Chang just does awesome artwork like he never lets down Matt Wilson on colors too so yeah Matt Wilson's an awesome colorist just from everything else I've seen him on like Daredevil uh, alright so power ranking Paul all right, uh, this is going to be tough. I'm going to have to go with um, Paper Girls, number one, then Doctor Strange, then Inhumans, then Karnak, and then uh, the last one. 
Twilight Children? Uh, Twilight Children. <laughs> Your book. Yep. Uh, Paper Girls. Doctor Strange. Karnak. Inhumans. Twilight Children. Okay, so just flopped one of them. This, it's really tough because I was trying to think about what my top two were going to be, and I was going to just kind of listen to both of you to see which way you were leaning, but... I... Uh, no, the top two are the hard ones. The top two are the hard ones. Um, they're Because I, I love them both, and, you know, for similar but different reasons. They're both, like, crazy fun stories. But I... Th- it was I a think- photo finish for the first two, and then everybody else was a couple steps behind, and we're like, oh, there's, you know, photo finish... And it was only the top two contenders that were really at that phone of finish, I think. I, I think I'm just going to go Paper Girls just because I see this being a book that I constantly go back to, like, mm-hmm. to reread and, um, like you said, pass off to other people. And then Doctor Strange right after that because it's a solid book, but I don't see it having the length of stay that something like Paper Girls will. Uh, but then after that, I'd probably go Karnak, then... Then Twilight Children, and then Uncanny Inhumans. Because okay. Uncanny Inhumans didn't sell me on that book at all. But Twilight Children is something that I would check out a little bit more of. I think so there's, field, a, there's enough promise there. I think my field's a lot closer than yours. Yeah. There it is. There's our power rankings. And if you want to, uh, I don't know, give us a ranking, how can they do that, John? Well, they can find us over on the Facebook. They can email us at bagdenboardcast. Mm-hmm. Dot com. <laughs> yes. They can uh, leave us a rating and review over on the iTunes. You know, give us a five-star uh, rating and uh, leave us a review if you want. Or just uh, tell us what your political intrigue uh, in the Inhumans is. Well, you know. <laughs> uh, look for Paul and myself over on our YouTube page and our website. We are putting up... Uh, those uh, board game reviews. board game uh, bites. Uh, we've we've got a couple in the can. We're working on those and find Chris also over at Parks and Wrecked, uh, his Disney uh, sister show to us. Indeed. Mm-hmm. 